There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Friday, May 20th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Learn how Steamfitters can benefit your business at steamfitters-602.org. Today, the Loudoun County School Board is suing to stop the Virginia governor and attorney general from investigating how the school system handled two sexual assault cases last year, calling how it's investigating the incidents unconstitutional. WTOP's Neil Augenstein walks us through this local story that's drawing national attention. The whole allegation and what the entire campaign was that parents were out of the loop. And one of our country's most iconic streets needs a makeover. We talked to the director of the Pennsylvania Avenue Initiative, Elizabeth Miller, who says it's getting ideas from skateboarders to national event planners. Everyone wants to say on how the new Pennsylvania Avenue will be designed. This is America's street. It's a really important asset to the city, and it's also important to the nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. And I'm Luke Garrett. A Virginia school board is suing to stop a special grand jury from accessing teacher, staff, and student records. They're calling it unconstitutional. And this all ties back to the case of a 15-year-old student who was convicted of sexually assaulting two girls in two different schools. The initial reporting that the student identified as transgender brought this story to national headlines, but we'll get into how that really fell apart quickly. WTOP's Neil Augenstein has been following this case. And Neil, we're talking to you two days in a row here, by the way, but this case is really layered and we can use your reporting to kind of untangle it for us. Um, Starting here, that working off of Governor Glenn Youngkin's executive order, Virginia Attorney General Jason Meares convened the special grand jury to investigate really how Loudoun County's school system handled these two sexual assaults last year. Why is the school district pushing back on that investigation moving forward? The Loudoun County School Board is seeking a temporary injunction. They want to prohibit any further actions by the special grand jury that, as you say, was convened by Attorney General Jason Miares. The school system says that Youngkin's Executive Order 4, which he proclaimed on his first day on the job, went beyond his legal power, and that the impaneled special grand jury is being used unlawfully. In Mm -hmm. other words, it's being used for something it's not designed to be used for. Uh, You'll, of course, remember that Governor Yunkin and Attorney General Miares both campaigned with the assumption that there was a cover-up in Loudoun County Public Schools after it was determined that the same high school student had assaulted two different girls in two different high schools. And the the claim was that the school system swept things under the rug and kept things quiet. They transferred the student to, to another school, and that allowed him to commit another crime. And speaking of the 15-year-old, who obviously we can't identify because of his age, um, where is that student now? That teenager has gone through the juvenile court system, has been convicted, 
and has been sentenced to uh, to be in a juvenile facility until he turns 18. Initially, he was going to be required to register as a sex offender, but the judge changed the mind on that and, and decided that he did not have to be uh, registered as a sex offender. And so, Neil, when this story was first reported about these assaults, it was reported that the perpetrator, this 15-year-old, was wearing a dress. And then in the media, there were claims that this person might be transgender. And then this kind of sparked a culture war of sorts. And it was all folded into the campaign of now Governor Glenn Youngkin and Attorney General Jason Miares. So how did this play out in the courts, if at all? It did not play out in the uh, in the courtroom in, in Loudoun County. Hmm. Uh, the focus in court was on what happened between between the defendant and two different young high school students. There was some consensual previous relationship between one of the victims and the defendant, and that was discussed openly in court. So the, the focus was on the the crime. And part of the school district's issue with this investigation to start with, based on your reporting, is that the special grand jury wants access to the records of the students, staff and teachers. Um, And they're also claiming that Governor Youngkin's executive order really oversteps his bounds, as you mentioned. Are those two things tied together? Is is part of the reason they're pushing back here is they don't want to just give these records over? The claim is that only a local prosecutor is allowed to call for a special grand jury, not an attorney general, and that the special grand jury should only be focused on criminal activity, not on policy issues. And wow. some of the things that have been that have, people have been subpoenaed for here have included the, the school's transgender policy and, and, and Facebook posts. And that's too far afield, according to the to the lawsuit. That is asking students and parents and school employees to come in and testify about things that aren't related in any way to a potential crime. Mm. So by Virginia code, the special grand jury isn't really even supposed to look into this because it's not necessarily the sexual assault they're looking into. It's how the school districts investigated or how the school district handled it. Rather, Um, you were reporting about the filing from the Loudoun County School Board's attorney. What specifically is he saying is unconstitutional about this special grand jury convening? According to the, the filing, the constitutional rights of the Loudoun County School Board are under attack essentially because the school board under law has the right to make its own decisions about policy issues. And the thought is that by the the governor giving power to the attorney general to, to do this, that's going further than the Constitution of Virginia allows. Hmm. And so, yeah, let's talk about the attorney general, Jason Meares. You know, so he's got an executive order from Governor Glenn Youngkin to do this. What has he been saying about, you know, this case so far and whether he'll move forward? The attorney general has been very limited in, in what he has said about the, the progress of the special grand jury. It would be inappropriate for an attorney general to talk about something that's going on behind closed doors. And there is secrecy 
that's expected in the, the grand jury. That being said, there have been reports that the scope of the investigation has expanded since the initial focus on the two sexual assaults, and it has now become at least according to this filing, a fishing expedition, looking for different things, anything that was uh, wrong, whether or not it was criminal. And while Miaras can't say very much, Yunkin's camp has been, um, you know, talking about this case and in response to the suit, apparently said, what does the school board have to hide here? That seems to be a theme, as you mentioned, coming from the Yunkin um, administration. What are they insinuating that that's being covered up? From the very beginning, Yunkin and Miyares have said, of course, there's a cover-up, but there really hasn't been any proof that there was the intent needed for a cover-up. And we're talking and, about moving the kid, right? We're talking about transferring the kid to another school would be the cover-up. And that's what they're alleging. Maybe. Okay. Or maybe that the superintendent knew about it, but, but didn't share that information the the whole allegation and and what this entire what the entire campaign was that parents were out of the loop what the school system is saying in this is that there's the assumption that something was wrong and in theory this special grand jury could prove that there was a crime committed at, to this point, based upon my following this case, I've not seen evidence of a crime. I've seen plenty of mistakes. I've seen plenty of oops. I've seen plenty of, boy, we could have been a little bit more complete on that. Mm -hmm. But to my way of thinking, a cover-up requires a crime. Yeah, what a story. Neil, thank you for helping us understand this story. You know, there are a lot of weeds here, and I think you um, really helped us out in wading us through all of it. My pleasure. And after the break, what would Pennsylvania Avenue look like if it was transformed into a park, maybe with skateboard and bike lanes? The ideas on the table and how you can weigh in. If you want to save money and grow profits on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project, Go with the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. You can trust the experience of its workforce, members who have expertise in heating, air conditioning, refrigeration, and process piping to deliver work that's on time and on budget. For a partner you can trust who's mutually focused on your bottom line and to schedule, contact Steamfitters Local 602 at steamfitters-602.org. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602. Changing lives. Hey, thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like the podcast, head to the show page and leave us a review and rating. We read all of them and use the suggestions to improve this show that we're so proud of. Thanks for taking the time. We return to a story that we covered back in April. DC's most famous street, Pennsylvania Avenue, is getting a bit of a facelift. In particular, it's the portion of road that leads from the White House all the way to the U.S. Capitol. And we're learning more about the Pennsylvania Avenue Initiative, is what it's called. They've released three renderings so far, none of which look anything like the current stretch of Pennsylvania Avenue. And it's all run by the National Capital Planning Commission. We have Director for Physical Planning, Elizabeth Miller, with us now on Zoom. So first of all, Beth, thank you for joining us to talk about the logistics of this thing. We'll start with, why is this portion of Pennsylvania Avenue needing to be redone in the first place? What's wrong with it? Well, if you've been out there lately, it's a very wide street, about eight lanes of traffic uh, and very little street level activity. So we're refocusing on how we can enliven it and how to re revive it. 
to mm. be the great street that it is, should be. Right. And I remember reading some reports that the traffic lanes actually aren't used that much. It's not at capacity for cars. That's correct. Um, we actually did a, a pretty robust transportation study several years ago, even pre-pandemic, and found that we could actually lose at least two travel lanes, which is about 20 feet, and not affect the, the condition of travel or the level of service. Mm. And that makes sense when you look at these renderings, because they really look like it's a switch from traffic for cars to really pedestrian byways, especially the linear green one. It's kind of the, the biggest rethinking of the street. So can you tell us about linear green and the idea behind it? Yeah, and I, I first just want to mention, as we really approach these different ideas, they're, they're very general ideas. They were really trying to push the the imagination and the envelope and really mm -hmm. imagine how the avenue could be transformed. And linear green is definitely the one that's most transformative. We remove vehicular traffic except for transit. So it has dedicated transit ways along the center, along with dedicated bike, and then just reimagining the space as a series of linear parks and public spaces. When you say transit, meaning trains? I mean, what do you mean? For the foreseeable future, bus, mainly in bus traffic. Gotcha. You know. And what about the, there, there are like kind of less aggressive changes. There's the urban capital and the civic stage plans. Without going into like the minutia, generally, how are those ideas playing out? Urban capital is really the least amount of change. It really looks at taking those extra travel lanes and giving it back to pedestrians. It really focuses on how we can activate the sidewalks, bring in more pocket areas where there could be different kind of activities hmm. that people could come and enjoy. And just to kind of paint the picture for people, are we thinking a Central Park kind of feel or like a, a National Mall grassway? Well, I think with Linear Green, what we want to be careful of is we've got the great National Mall. And what we want Pennsylvania Avenue is to supplement that mall, to be an extension, but not a replica so that it can provide different kinds of functions and activities that are currently on the National Mall. So I think we see it more being more of an urban linear park that would definitely have a, a green sense. Can I just say, I think you have the coolest job. I mean, I, it just seems to me like this would be a really interesting project um, for someone of your experience. Can you tell us like, what the most challenging or most fun part has been? Because the idea that you get to lay out a new Pennsylvania Avenue must be really cool. I mean, really, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility there, that's for sure. Yes, it is. And I will say, I mean, I often say I have the best job for what I do in the United States. It's an absolute honor to be working for the National Capital Planning Commission. We do feel a great responsibility yeah, because this is America's street. It's a really important asset to the city and it's also important to the nation. Mm. And I do have a technical question. You know, Freedom Plaza is kind of at the mouth of the start of this portion of Pennsylvania Avenue. It's become a sort of hotspot for skaters. I was there with one of my buddies and he says like the granite there is perfect. Anyway, will Freedom Plaza stay within these plans? Will the plans kind of go around it or is it a total reworking and Freedom Plaza might not be there? So all three do envision some sort of redesign, but okay. it doesn't necessarily preclude the, the kinds of activities that occur there today. We have reached out to the skateboarding community. I've learned a lot about skateboard culture. <laughs> I, I'm a longtime resident of the city and I've spent my share of time down there amazed at the kind of things that they do. Yeah. Kind of defies gravity in some ways. <laughs> um, so we are we're definitely interested in what they think and what they feel and, and what some of their needs are. But we also have a lot of users to accommodate. Mm. The central theme of all of these concepts is really how we can 
take the avenue as this great civic space and elevate it so that we can bring in more nationally significant events. We have about 150 local and regional festivals and sports kind of events that occur there every year. And what we'd like to do is not displace those, but to supplement them and look at how we can make this a national venue. I'm wondering how you budget for something like this, because you don't really know what the plan's going to end up being quite yet. Is this a federally funded project or how is how are we paying for this? Well, right now we're just in the planning process. What this planning phase will do is help us define what that concept will be. And then it will go through pretty extensive vetting. And then once we get further down the road, we have a better idea of what the concept is Mm -hmm. and how significant the change is. So once we get further down the road, we'll be able to put a cost to it. And then that will help better inform the different kinds of resources and sources that we can seek for funding. And if you're a resident who wants to be a part of this planning process, how can they do that? We encourage everyone to go to NCPC's website at ncpc.gov. We're having a public meeting tomorrow on Saturday at 10 o'clock a.m. on Zoom. You can sign up and register on our website. This is our third public meeting that we've had, and we've we've had great participation and a lot of interest. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining us and kind of giving us the details on this rethinking and rebuilding of Pennsylvania Avenue. You're very welcome. And before we go, today is Bike to Work Day. I don't know if you actually took part, but one of our friends did, Teddy Gelman, who is a producer of our morning show. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much for having me. It's not just a a one-day thing for Teddy, though. It's an everyday thing. I used to work with Teddy in the mornings, and he would come in, and he, he has bike helmet and everything. And one of the biggest questions I have is, why do you bike to work every day? I mean, you know, it's one thing to come in the middle of the night when you're tired, but biking for me, it get, definitely gets me up. It gets me moving. But at two in the morning, you know, just in ge- <laughs> just in general, it feels good. You know, you leave here, you 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 feel like, especially now with the way gas prices are, you don't have to drive every single day. Yeah. And um, you know, with a relatively short distance, you know, yeah, it it allows me to get here pretty quickly. And honestly, during peak traffic times. Um, if I was leaving, you know, in, in rush hour, I probably would beat it on a bike. Can I just share so. with everyone an uncomfortable thing about the one time I biked to work and I got to work and I was so sweaty and I was like, oh God, I have to like be here yeah. for, for that, eight hours. I mean, that's definitely a problem. <laughs> Normally I just wear what I wear because, you know, in the middle of the night, it's not as hot. So I just sort of hope that, you know, maybe I'm not sweating that much and right, I'm okay. Right, right. Yeah. And if I happen to be sweating a lot on the way home, you know, then I'm home. But yeah, that's obviously the logistical challenge. There are logistical challenges. Where do you lock the bike? <laughs> right. You know, where do you store it? What do you wear? But you take all that in consideration. It's pretty fun. It's a built-in workout, man. Totally. I feel like everyone wants to bike to work. It's like this ideal. But Teddy, you've you've cracked the code. You got to just get a routine. You got to stick to it on the days when you're tired and you're like, you know what? I really want to get in the car. I want to do it. You got to just hang hang tough because you know that you're going to reward yourself later. And you'll be, you know, you get in, you feel like you got a little life to you. Well, it's inspiring. That's for sure. I I think my commute is a little too far, but I mean, what is it? It's like, I think it's under four miles. They say you can like do it without any problem, right? Yeah. I think that's fair. Take the hills into consideration as long as you can account for those, you know, four miles or less. I mean, you're talking half hour or less. Easy. Definitely doable. Hopefully we've inspired somebody. Highly recommend it. Commute on two (laughs) wheels next week. Teddy, thanks for being here. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. And that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for joining us for the DMV Download. We're sponsored by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Leave us a review and rate our show if you get the chance this weekend, and follow on social media where we post content every day from behind the scenes of the show. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. 
The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend, everyone.